This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl. My guest this week is Darren Hood. He is the Senior Learning Experience Designer at Michigan State. He's also the host of the World of UX podcast, which covers every UX-related method, discipline trends, career advancements and challenges, and much, much more. Welcome to Press One for Nick podcast, Darren. Thank you, Nick. I am excited to be here. I am completely stoked. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. So I ask every single guest one question at the very beginning, and it's what's one thing (laughs) people might not know about you? No, one thing that people don't know about me, I, I saw this and I gave it some thought. Man, what was something that people might be a little surprised about? I used to be an umpire. I, I was an umpire. It was a softball umpire, not for baseball or anything like that. Okay. Uh, it was at a huge softball complex. I, I reside in Metro Detroit, uh, Michigan. And um, some people might say, well, you know, that's not a big deal. You might be surprised. You have to be in a position, you have to know the rules. You are a one-man crew. So that means that you have to be everywhere and be in position to make the calls. And you've got to have your head on a swivel and got to be able to make excellent, accurate decisions on a dime. And, and what happens if you don't? <laughs> if you don't, uh, people, you wouldn't, you're not in a professional <laughs> environment, but you would think that you were because people will be on you. Uh, like the, the like players, crazy. the coaches, the parents, everybody, everybody. And, and, and these are like, man, I mean, all grown folks, but man, it's like a lot of people who were out there playing softball, like it was like half of them were angry because they weren't pro. And they're like, <laughs> they have these vendetta, these chips on their shoulders when they're out there playing and you can see it. And, and uh, I've talked to people about it before, but that was, it was really something. And I was known for being, uh one of the most dedicated umpires that was out there i was known for having more hustle because if somebody hit a ball and they were trying to turn a stretch a single into a double you had to be at second base to make the call so you so you couldn't you had to be there before the runner so basically what you're saying (laughs) is that you were out hustling the people that were actually on the field you better be (laughs) you better be i love that i'm guessing that most people didn't have the hustle that you did no they didn't Uh, a lot of time people would get as far as like the pitcher's mound and do their best to make the call and i'll never forget the one time that i i I knew because i played too i used to play 18 games of softball a week Uh, (laughs) 18 (laughs) games a week yeah and and i never forget the time that a guy he i knew he was going to you're, you're inside their head Mm-hmm. which is relevant to UX was we have to be inside of people's heads. And yeah. I gave great UX as a, as a, as an umpire, I, I, I could tell the guy was going to stretch it to a double. So I anticipated it and I took off and I was, I was there. The guy went to stretch it to a double. He gets thrown out by a hair. And as they often do, they, they're all, they all hate the umpires and the pressure 
that we were subjected to was off the charts for $18 a game. Yeah. We, we were really getting uh, uh, pressed. And the guy jumped up ready to yell at the umpire. How can you make that call? And he turned around. I was standing right there looking at him. <laughs> he was like, uh, he was a foot from me. He just shut up because he knew I was there and he knew my reputation. Yeah. And, and he just shut up, put his head down and went back to the dugout. And I went back behind the plate. And I continue calling the game. And I took a lot of pride in doing uh, my absolute best and being my absolute best. I'm also of the frame of mind that uh, there, there's an old proverb that's, that, that basically says that he that is faithful in much is, is uh, faithful in little is faithful in much. And if you're unfaithful in little, you're unfaithful in much. And if that's the case, then no matter what I'm touching, I need to excel at it. And so that was my mindset. I love that. That's so interesting to me. And I feel like there's probably other similarities when, because everybody in in business wants to blame somebody. And so that can tend to be in, in UX too. So you're, you're getting, you're, you're still running to second base just in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and the blame game in the UX world is huge. Uh, which is another reason why I know some of the things we're going to get into today, it is so critical that people understand that UX is not just about making wireframes and journey maps and, 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 and prototypes. It's about navigating the space. And, and I'm a huge proponent for emotional intelligence and how it contributes to getting the work done and managing the perception of your work and the relationships associated with the work. So yeah, it's all, it's all tied in. And if you don't manage things properly, you will get, you actually, I've seen people actually get set up so that they can be blamed when everything, when all is said and done. And no, you just got to be better at that. And you got to anticipate it and quote unquote, they're the air quotes, get to second base before they do so that you can manage everything properly. And so you can anticipate the excuses that people are going to put out there and then manage it so you can get by it and always bring value. Find out how to bring value. And you, the wireframe isn't going to show you that. How, how are you going to bring value for the business, for your users, to manage the UX maturity level of the team? Make sure that the, per, that, that the, the perception of the team is appropriate. You got to manage all that stuff. You can't just do the work. I love the fact that I haven't even asked a UX question. You're already adding value around UX. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So, it's, it's a beautiful thing when you do it right. That's right. Yeah. So let's start at the very beginning. Everybody has a unique story and and not a whole lot of people that I've, I've interviewed have been in UX. So how did you get into UX? It was interesting for me. I was doing some work for a nonprofit organization in you know, 1995. Uh, when everybody was getting the wonderful little AOL floppies at the time in the mail. And, you and have we were... 14,000 free hours. <laughs> and, and, and we were, you know, oh, I got this AOL thing. So apparently uh, I'm supposed to, uh, I guess I'm supposed to be on AOL. That's the only way I can get on the internet, you know, th those days. Mm -hmm. But I, they needed somebody to do their website. And so, you know what? Um, I can learn some things and I can do that for you. And interestingly, as I got started, 
I realized the navigation needs to be understandable. I didn't know to call it information architecture. I didn't know it was information architecture, but I made sure that the information architecture was sound. I conducted usability testing. I didn't call it usability testing, but I did want to make sure that I wanted to validate the design direction that I was going in. I wanted to make sure that things were scannable. I didn't call it scannable, but I wanted to make sure. So long story short, and unbeknownst to me, that was my entry point. Along with that, I was doing, at work, I was doing instructional design work. I was a trainer. And, and when I say instructional design, it's training from a scientific perspective. So I knew all the science and I was being trained in it. I was getting certifications in training. And I thought that's the direction I was going to go to the extent that I was on before Macromedia and Adobe merged. I was on the advisory board for what's now known as Captivate. Uh, it was, uh, I think we got somebody cutting grass out here. You're good. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, uh, I was on the advisory board for, it was RoboDemo, then it was Captivate. Uh, but when it was Macromedia, I was on the advisory board. I was really heavily involved in the world of instructional design. But as I, uh, while I was doing work for OnStar, I started thinking, what do really, what do I want to do going forward? Because this stuff that I'm doing with the, with the websites, it's really intriguing to me. And do I really want to go to Boise State and get a master's in, in education? Or do I want to pursue this, what I came to know, information architecture at the time? Do I want to really get into this? And when I assessed myself, I said, you know what? I really love doing that. How many times do people get to do what they love? So forget about the education stuff, even though I've come full circle and I'm back there now. Forget about all this education stuff. I want to do this information architecture. And that's when I went into the world of, of UX, as we now know it, uh, hook, line, and sinker. As I say, I mortgaged my future on it. And uh, that was that's how I got into it full-time. I had been doing it for almost 10 years on the side, but when I entered into the full-time world, I knew everything was going to change for me, and it did. Yeah. Going back to the website, you said you didn't know a lot of the words, but you were doing a lot of the work. Yeah. And is it because you took pride in what you were putting out, or was it something else? It was all of those things. I, I took pride. I wanted to, there's a, here it comes again, bring value. I wanted to be accurate. I wanted to be authoritative in my, in my, the demonstration in my engagement. I wanted to be an expert at, at, at what I did. And I mentioned the umpire. That's the thing nobody knew about me, but I could almost throw a one B in there. You'd never guess what my first job was. I was a janitor. I was 10 years old. Wow. And when I cleaned those toilets, I wanted them to be the absolute best. So, I, so I've been like that for like <laughs> eons. I've been in that frame of mind. So I wanted to, I wanted to do and be my absolute best. And, and, and every time I find a resource that's going to help me to sharpen my saw a little bit and, and always examining and identifying gaps and making sure that I fill those gaps. Yeah. I want to be my best. Yeah. I love that. There was actually a quick, funny story. I sold cookies, pasties, and pieces. I called myself the, <laughs> uh, could have been the glorified girl scout, I guess, but I, I didn't wear one of those plaid, plaid skirts, but um, my boss came up, he was, he was the CEO of this, of this fundraising group. And, uh, he was about three hours away. He lived in St. Louis. I lived in Bloomington, Illinois. And he came up and walked into the bathroom. He's like, what are you doing? 
And I was like, well, <laughs> what do you mean? What's wrong? In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. He's like, that is the cleanest toilet I've ever seen. He's like, don't tell my wife I said that, but that is the cleanest. And I was like, this is not mine. And I want to respect what I have. And, and I appreciate you taking investing in me. And, and so I, I, I want to make sure it's perfect. And he really appreciated that. And he knew that I was, that was going to go. If I was going to take care of that toilet, I was going to take care of everything else. And he had, he had full faith in me. <laughs> That's awesome. And we, we should see more of that. People taking pride in what they do, no matter what the work is. And, and I was talking to a friend the other day who was in the hospital and it said right on her chart, do not give this patient sleep medication. And the person came in there. This is a, this is a hospital. Life and death is in everybody's hands. And they came in there and they looked at the chart and it said, oh, we need to give her some, some sleep medication. And she knew that it was on the chart. And she was riled up and she said, hey, hmm. aren't you reading my chart? Don't give me any sleep medication. It's, it's just amazing how people just, I, I almost want to say on average, don't care. Uh, at best, I can say there's too many people that don't care. And, and if we just yeah. care, how much better would the quality of life be? How much better would we be able to, here it comes again, bring value? It really yeah. doesn't take. It, it, it's easier to work to bring value than to let it slide. Yeah. So because people tend to just go <laughs> through the motions. Yeah. Instead of adding value with purpose. Yeah. They want the, the I'm big on intrinsic value and, and they want that you have your extrinsic and your intrinsics at work and, and they've got to give you the check. They agree to that. So there's your extrinsic, but what about the intrinsics? And, and I think people need more more drive when it comes to intrinsic elements. You know, you're going to get your check. How about the satisfaction being able to sleep well because you know you did a great job? How about being excited about the look on a person's face because of the delight that you drove for them because of all the effort? You know, how about things like that? How about being excited because of how you inspired and and energized your team members? You know, where, where, where's the joy yeah. for these things? So I, I live for intrinsics. Yeah. I, I love, <laughs> yeah, I love how you're all, you're all fired up and, and continue to be. And speaking of fired up, uh, I love that you're calling out the shenanigans on social when it comes to user experience. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so share with my listeners what, what people say and, and uh, what they try to get away with. Oh. <sighs> People try, it's just a nightmare. I mean, one of the examples that comes to mind is just in the last couple of days, um, I made some statements about how, I think I was talking about Clubhouse and how a lot of people on Clubhouse, it, it, now it's another one of these unchecked sources. 
where people can say and do whatever they want. Nobody has to approve it. Nobody has to validate it. Nobody's going to stop you. And so people are, as I say, just spewing out all kinds of rubbish. This is my exact phrase in my response to that person. They just spew out all kinds of rubbish. And, and, and the person said, when I was talking about Clubhouse, they said, well, isn't that what social media is? Hmm. This is a UX person. Isn't that what social media is? I said, not if you're respectful and responsible. It is not. I do not view social media as this, as a, hey, it's a cesspool. Come on over here. Let's throw all of our waste. No, it, it's, we have an opportunity to, to engage with one another. We have an opportunity to share with one another, to build one another, to encourage one another, to enlighten one another. And those are the things that we should do. Make sure that what you have in your cupboard, in the cupboard of your heart is accurate. And then, <laughs> and then get it out. If your cupboards are bare, you have nothing to say. If, if, if the, if, if what is in your, your cupboard has expired, the expiration dates don't serve it to anybody, have more respect for other folks and the service. So that said, people are saying all types of ridiculous things, things that are inaccurate. Uh, UX UI is one. I, the, the experiences I've had where, Hey, you know, UX is not really UI. UI is a subset of UX. They're not the same. Don't say UX UI. That's not really a thing. And, and that's one of the biggest ones because organizations are using it. Practitioners are using it. People, companies that are presenting themselves as if they are authoritative voices in UX are saying it. And so that makes it more difficult to get people to let it go. You're, uh, I'm not going to call these companies out by name on your show. I'll call them out on my show. I'm not going to call them out on yours. I'm What's gonna... it rhyme with, Darren? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Quadobi. And Google. And uh, there's you know other companies like that. They are actually saying things that are not accurate. Uh, one company actually just rolled out uh, a, a certification track for UX. And then people will think, hey, they've got a, a certification track. We should take that. It only takes six months. This is great. Yay. They're not educators. Just because you're successful in business doesn't mean that everything you touch, that you're authorized to do that. Yeah. And, and so... You know, and so those of us who are in academia, those of us who are, I've, I've been doing education-oriented work longer than I've been doing UX. And, and, and I've got five certifications and about to get a PhD in education. And I'm saying that you should not be over here. This is not your arena. Go and sell some ad words. Go and, you know, there's some other things that you can do, but this is not your, this is not your area. This is not where you live. Uh, and just be, and, and then the hiring practices are so bad. Uh, a lot of people are sharing bad information on social media about hiring practices. And, and it, it's setting very bad expectations. The, the boot camp folks of the world, you can learn UX in six months, nine months, and we guarantee you a job there. This kind of stuff is on social media. Nobody can guarantee you a job. Yeah. Nobody, unless they're your parents with your company, they can't guarantee you a job. And even then they can't guarantee it. 
So truth be told, it, it can blow up a week, a week afterwards. So there's a, it's successful on social media. And, and I try to uh, bring the voice of reason, right? The ship uh, for a while. I said, medium is terrible. There's so much bad information. And a lot of the new people don't have a filter. So they don't know. It's not their fault. They don't know that this information is bad until they learn about it. And, and uh, I was talking about how bad medium was. And it finally hit me one day. Well, why don't you go start writing for medium and posting? Oh, well, so that's what I did. So, so I have just recently started, uh, I slowed my roll the last three weeks or so, but get some information out there that folks can tap into. The sad thing is people will still embrace the bad information and will bypass the good stuff. Yeah. So that, that's the only bad thing about it. Yeah. If, if there's a hundred articles of, of bad UX advice on there, you're one of them. You're, you're one, one out of a hundred. Yeah. Or you're one oh one out of a hundred and one, <laughs> right? Like, how are you yeah. going to, it, it's got a, it's, it's one article at a time now. And, yeah. and you're really bringing clarity out of that confusion. So continue to do that. You know, one of the statements you made, I'm going to take it and turn it into a question. Okay. So good luck. <laughs> How do you rise above today's muck and mire in UX? It's basically about having an appetite for excellence and, and sticking to your guns no matter what. It's, it's, uh, I can, I actually developed something that I call the UX cycle of excellence. And step one is to properly understand and define the discipline. A lot of people are not succeeding, whether it's getting a job, whether it's getting the proper education, whether it's posting good things on social media, these things are happening because people don't understand the discipline their understanding is all over the place. So if, if people will subscribe to excellence, it will put out a lot of fires. The, the, there's a lot of terrible information, but is, but which is worse, the one person who posts the terrible information or the thousand people who like it? I think the answer is yes. <laughs> so, if, if, you know, somebody who's saying something, if somebody was running around saying the sky is, the sky is green, um, they wouldn't get anywhere because everybody knows the sky is, isn't green. Although a handful of people would think this person is a revolutionary, right. the way that things go today in general, though, I think, I think everybody will understand what I'm getting at is that if, if nobody believes the, the embraces or values the muck and the mire, the muck and the mire has nowhere to live. So, so therefore, if a person contributes to excellence or, or I should say focuses on excellence, that's going to take care of a lot of issues. Absolutely. If you mentioned hiring at the very, it, uh, at the beginning. So if a listener is trying to hire a UXer today, how do they decide, decipher between the real UXer and the fake one? Uh, this is a, a part A and a part B. Part A is stop trying to hire UX people and B, bring somebody in that knows how. <laughs> you are not going to, if you don't know uh, the best way to shop for a car, take somebody with you. Yeah. If, if you don't know how to cook an omelet, find, but you want to, find, get some expertise 
or just go and buy an omelet from somewhere else and stop trying to do it yourself. It's a lot of companies keep trying to hire UX people and they're failing miserably and they're hiring people. I, I know one company who just hired a head of UX for their entire UX operation. And I know people who did not get interviewed, couldn't even get interviewed. And then I saw who they hired and I just shook my head because the person knows nothing. Not only do they know nothing about UX, they think they know about UX. And the person was a creative director and one of the worst groups of people that I've seen try to transition into UX at any level is a creative director. They are violent. They are egotistic. Many of them are quite frankly, are narciss narcissistic. If somebody listening to this, if this is not you, then good. I'm glad. However, you know, for a fact that many of your cohorts out there are <laughs> that they're narcissistic and, and, and they have all of the character traits that you should not have as a, as a sound UX professional. So companies need to stop trying to do it. I actually did a talk once called Square Pegs and Round, Round Holes that's available on YouTube for anybody who wants to see it that talks about how you hire. But you've got to have the best thing you can do is have a person on the team that knows how to screen and identify UX talent. But asterisk, you're going to have a hard time even trying to find that person because they just don't know. So if you're building a team, make sure you have a real UX person on the team to start with, because if you don't, there's a lot of error that's going to come behind that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And even just with attrition alone and all the bungled efforts, you're going to lose a lot of money in the process and waste a lot of money, waste a lot of the company's capital. So you got to have a good, a, a, a true UX professional on the team which is sad because a lot of the senior UXers are being displaced today in the world of UX. And, and, and that's why a lot of people end up consulting because they can't, nobody values them. So they can't go anywhere. So they end up consulting. Yeah, that's tough. So with customer experience and user experience, is there, is there a way to create a seamless connection between the two? Yeah, matter of fact, uh, I worked at one company, they did a, not only did was UX being done from a CX perspective. And when I say that very holistic, instead of focusing on engaging with the product, they got involved in the beginning, the UX team got involved in the beginning, the, the UX team got involved in the support and all the other elements and routing people back into the purchasing funnel. And we and there was a CX team. So uh, the only time I've ever experienced this, this way, I should say, in my career, we got to work together. We, we connected, we sat, we talked, we, we, we discussed what our efforts were. We talked about what we can do to help one another. And, and that was about the time that I began, I began uh, um, handling my UX practice. No matter where I worked and whether or not the company was doing it, I would look at it from a CX perspective and, and um, when I was at that company, I actually helped overhaul the customer service at that company where we redid and I brought my UX talent into it, but we talked about all those things so we could help to, to drive the brand experience. So we could, as I, as I always like to say, improve and, and optimize the warm fuzzies that the, uh, that the customers were having. So they felt better about the brand. And we could, from that point, it's easy to usher them back into the purchasing funnel to acquire additional services, additional products and things of that nature. So I was aware of that. 
Uh, interestingly, when I would, I have to throw this in there, I interviewed at a company once and I decided to, to share that information in my interview because I'm thinking I'm going to illustrate that I'm a team player, whatever needs to be done. I'm willing to jump in there and get involved in this. So I redid the emails and I did, I talked to the people who were on the phones and we did all these different things. And then the guy was uh, sitting with the interview said emails. <laughs> he laughed me out and they wrote me off and I didn't get the wow. job because he was a UX snob. You do have UX snobs out there too. So the, uh, but, but, it's great to, if you have UX people, CX people in the company, highly advise. Those folks need to connect. They need to live close to one another, uh, at least contextually, uh, or I should say contextually, so that they're, you, the company might not have you connected on the org chart, but that doesn't mean that you can't connect with one another and identify ways to bring value and support one another because you might, one might be CX and one might be UX, but you're still in the experience design. Yeah. You're still in that sphere. We're, we're still in the same Venn diagram. Somebody stole one of my Venn diagrams on that stuff and, <laughs> recently, but it, it's, uh, I saw them. No, you didn't. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but it, it's, we're, we're in the same, we're, we're cousins. We're, we're together. Right. And so we should support one another. We should be aware from one, uh, of one another. And, and it would be, it would do UX people, uh, it, it would it'd be smart to to venture more into CX oriented things, but don't try to take that work. But CX is much bigger than UX, uh, and and we need to respect that. And, and so it's all. I also encourage people to engage respectfully. Don't don't do what some people say. Some people are complaining that UX is taking CX work. Uh, I've actually heard people talk about that, and and they're starting to complain about it. In some places, well, that's because somebody didn't handle, didn't handle things properly. So if so, don't don't if you happen to hear those types of reports, don't back off, but do it in a in a respectful, uh, in a, a, a cooperative manner. You can accomplish great things and help the company understand the importance of experience design. Remove your C, remove your U, and get them to understand the importance of the experience. I love that what you just said. Re re remove the C and remove the U, and just focus on the experience. That's uh, absolutely. I I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow. I'm not gonna steal that one. I'll I'll give you full credit. Uh, so, Darren, I wrap up every podcast with two questions. Uh, the first question is, what book or person in customer service or experience or even UX has influenced you the most in the past year? So parameter. And then the second one is if you could leave a note to all customer service and customer experience professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say? <laughs> okay. The uh, Interestingly, the book that comes to mind for me that has influenced me the most, and it's not just the past year, it, it's, it's for the last few years, um, there's a book called Multipliers which has absolutely nothing to do with UX. It, it, the book is about how you can best impact people for their benefit, the absolute most. And, and it's looking at things from a leadership perspective, but everybody who you encounter is not, they're not under your authority, so to speak. They're not your subordinate. So, but that doesn't mean that you can't impact them. And I just love if I remember correctly, the author's name is Liz Wiseman. It, it is a phenomenal book. 
And it doesn't just talk about the traits that you need as a person who is a multiplier, but it talks about the different the different components and the different things that are manifested when somebody is like a detractor, the person who is taking away from or suppressing someone and keeping them from being their best. So this is a book that, that I always have. I, I, I actually stopped buying print books. All my books are on digital. So that way, everywhere I go, my library is with me and I can dive into that book and I can get a little, get a few little tidbits and then go on my way uh, on demand. But that book helps me a lot. It, it, it's at the core of who I am. And what I do, and I like making, helping drive people. I like helping build people. That's, that's my big intrinsic value. I want to see people get jobs. I want to see people overcome the obstacles. I want to see people get better. I want to see the business do better. I want to see users do better. I just love seeing people do better, period. That's at the core of that, that word better. That's, that's my, that's my word. I, I love that. The, the one note that I would, if I could leave to all customer service professionals, uh, what would you say? And I've actually already said it, and it's what I always say, ascribe to excellence. Ascribe to excellence, subscribe to excellence, and never, ever allow anybody to get your eyes off of that prize. Because when you focus on excellence, you benefit yourself and you benefit everybody else that you will never be a detractor. You will never be a, uh, a weight. You will never be um, the thing that needs to be cast off so that the ship can, 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 can sail better. You'll always be the thing that, you'll always be the wind in the sails instead of the weight on the boat. So, so always, 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 and 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 identify sources that will help you be better, that will help you be excellent and and building what I call pers- well, I don't call it, somebody else actually uh, personalized learning network network. Have that have those resources identified uh, to to help build you. Uh, keep tuned in the next podcast. The, you know, <laughs> keep these things so uh, because there's a lot of there's a lot of folks out there that are not interested in you. They're interested in themselves. Yeah. And, and when you find folks that are selfless, who are looking to build you, you've got something that's worth its weight in gold. And yeah. so we got to treasure that. And then just keep, keep building, keep more and more excellence and realize that you will never arrive. Never. I love that. I love it. Never arrive. Uh, <clears throat> Darren, what is the best way for my listeners to, to connect with you? Oh, wow. Uh, there's the, my podcast, the world, the world of UX with Darren Hood. Uh, available. We're in, uh, Nick and I are in the same network, CXFM Radio Network, and you can find our podcast anywhere. Uh, a lot of people connect to me on on LinkedIn. Uh, it's like I have to, I actually have to stay away from LinkedIn on the weekends because I'm so busy. I it's just <laughs> too much going on out there. You're but, just famous, man. <laughs> but I'm, I am out there. I've got the UX Uncensored YouTube channel is relatively new, and and we're in the process of of producing a lot of new material. So if you want to learn more about CX, uh, you'll be able to come out there and tap into things. Uh, the uxuncensored.media.com, you can see some of my recent posts, that I, blog posts that I put out there. And they're all relatively short. I try to keep the reading time uh, six minutes or less currently. So you can get through those things pretty quickly. Uh, I look forward to folks engaging out there. Help me to to get that stuff, uh, be more visible, more, more visible out there. It's, it's, uh, I'm trying to cut through the muck and the mire 
And, and so I, I can't do it alone and need some help, but those are the best places to find me. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram now, both also as UX uncensored. So I am everywhere. <laughs> you can say that's awesome. So I, I would recommend everybody uh, creeping in a good way on, on all the social channels for Darren hood, follow that podcast and Darren, thank you so much for your time and uh, looking forward yes. to, to your success and getting through that muck in the mire. Thanks again for having me today, Dick. I enjoyed it. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to press1fornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.